The following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. return of the intentional foul had to take a week off for scheduling purposes yep got a couple texts yeah in in conversation with various people and then it eventually turned to okay now where's my cop podcast to listen to yeah i got a couple of those too and you know hey that's great you know it is great people are listening Sorry, and- we can't abide by it. i mean the, the winter winter's tough for us with our other busy schedule to yeah. find time to get into a studio. It We're is. Not, not going to have that problem generally in spring or summer or even fall. No, so. we'll just be competing with how many times I'm, I want to be on a golf course. That's true, too. Yeah. Is is Wednesday your golf day? Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. We should be fine. All right. Thank you for downloading or subscribing if you do that. Appreciate you listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast Foul. Josh and Dan back with a plethora of the. You cleansing yourself before yeah, you... Just hit, yeah, a little, hit a little Purell, you know. <laughs> it's just sitting there. Might as well I, get that's it. That's the first time I've seen you do that, okay? It's got to get clean before we do magic. It's the cold and cough season, uh, the isn't mic- it? Yes, it is. Sniff- lot of sniffles. <laughs> all right, we got a lot to get to because we missed about a week, and we'll go all the way from the pros to the college ranks, even down to the, uh, to the high school level. But, um, I mean, I guess we can start... With the NFL, because there are uh, there are a lot of things going, a lot of issues that are happening that I I, I haven't made mention of them at any particular morning because I part of it is I just don't care, and I'm sure I'm not sure a lot of people that follow football even want to wade in on, and I don't know how to address that because I'm not sure. Well, the Kareem Hunt thing. Signed by the Browns. Mm -hmm. Seemed odd to me because the Packers don't take on a lot of those types of problem players that have history. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying Kareem Hunt is a problem player, but there's baggage, there's history, there's a stigma, and all the people that now run the Browns are former Packers people. But clearly they are trying to form their own identity, and they think that this is going to be a guy who can help them win. And I think that's kind of all it boils down to. Uh, to I would add two things okay. to that. Uh, John Dorsey, who you're referring, no. uh, the GM of the Browns. Elliot Wolf's there too. Uh, Dorsey drafted Hunt in Kansas, in, City. in Kansas City. So he knows him personally. Well, and, you know, look, I mean, no excusing what happened, but we all have bad days. Um, and who knows what led up to that? There's no audio. We don't know blah, 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 but whatever happened, he did it. Um, the second thing is they knew he was going to sign with the bears. Yeah. 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 Um, they just, they wanted him, which from a football perspective, it was an interesting signing to me because you got Nick Chubb. Yes. So. You know, 
I'm not sure and those two fit and it's not together. Like, and it's not like you are trying to beat a division rival to the punch. What right. happens to the Bears doesn't really affect you. Right. So, but I, I did hear that a lot that like, you know, one of the things around the league was like the Bears were poised to sign him. Um, but I think the Bears were waiting until a little more information came out because the NFL still, according to them, oh, haven't gotten they haven't all cleared the him. information. No. They haven't cleared him. We don't nope. even know what his suspension is nope. going to be. You don't know anything, but they wanted him in the Browns' fold. Right. Well, it's, and it sounds like the Bears were waiting. They wanted more info. They're like, look, we're not going to sign this guy if he's going to be out eight games. And the Browns, okay, he's fine. We got Nick Chubb. Well, that's fine. Yeah. Maybe it's a backup case of injury. I I don't have a problem with him getting re-signed. I just thought it was a little early. Yeah. You know, um, and and whether or not the Bears were poised to sign him, I mean, who else was like, who else are you bidding against? Like, where's the race here? Right. You know, would it be as a Bears fan? Would you have been? Well, we talked about it a little bit. I mean, that? Uh, I don't know all the information. Right. You know, I saw the video or part of the video. Everybody has at um, this point. So but that's all I've seen. You know, I, I, I mean, it's not I mean. You know, I don't know if you can rank this stuff. It's not Ray Rice level bad, but it's still bad. You know. Yeah. Um. It's a little worrisome because you you have heard some stuff where he you know he had an altercation like the summer before at a bar with a guy and and he he it sounds like the guy's got some anger problems mm-hmm. is what it is. Um. I don't necessarily think he's a a woman beater per se. But I don't know. I don't have any information other than what I've seen. But would I, would I have been okay as a Bear fan? I don't know. Like I told you, I, you feel a little weird about it. But on if he scored uh, a touchdown against the Packers in Week Eight, would I be happy about it? Yeah, sure, of course. But I'm, I'm not buying his jersey. There you go. You know. Okay. All right, that's fair. Uh, Joe Flacco gets traded to Denver. Weird. Really weird. Thanks, Case Keenum. Appreciate all you did for us. Now take a hike. But is Joe Flacco better than Case Keenum? I don't think so at this point. And now you're paying I them mean, both. Aren't you paying for basically Joe Flacco's resume? Yeah. At this point, and that's it. Yeah. Like all of his past stuff, not what he's doing now. I mean, look, maybe a change of scenery will help Flacco. That's entirely possible. Some of that but stuff does. It's, but it's not like he's not one of these guys that's going to be rejuvenation. No, I, I, I guess. Maybe if you're LA, the thinking is okay, we have a Raven like defense that's really good and can be dominant and can carry us, and we just need a guy not to kill it like a Flacco, not to kill it. But I mean, you know, other than that run they had when they won the Super Bowl, and he's been all right in the playoffs, but I mean, he's just a run of the mill, always has been, even in his prime regular season guy. You might not even get to the playoffs with him. I don't even know the particular. And, and before you go, go ahead. and you're in the either the most difficult or second most difficult division in football. Yeah. Oh yeah. With the Chargers and the Chiefs. Yep. So, are you? What was I going to say with Flacco? I don't even remember now. Oh, I haven't seen the particulars, and I haven't heard news from Baltimore because I don't read anything up on them. I don't follow their. Twitter account or any of their beat writers or anything, did that contract and his level of play make it impossible for him to keep going forward? Because I know a lot of people when when he signed, and I was one of them, I saw the numbers and the escalations and how much he kept getting paid and the increase and what his cap number was, that unless you are winning 
playoff games and getting them to the Super Bowl continuously, there's, I mean, there's no justification really for them to keep you. Yeah. I mean, and, unless it, it makes it like we can't continue as a franchise without this guy. And that's clearly not the case. I mean, well, they, they obviously had made the decision that uh, Jackson's their guy now. Well, that's so fine. You, you but can't have a $22 million no, backup. No. I think they had to be freaking thrilled they got anything for him because I thought they would just was end it, up cutting him. Was it a sixth round? Well, yeah, something, something like, like that. that? I Fourth mean, round? That's yeah. not bad. For a guy who won. He didn't even play. No. but And I guess Jackson's your guy now, but. Are you comfortable with that? I, I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't be if no. I was a Raven fan. I mean, especially from what you just saw in the playoffs. Yeah, like, this is the guy bad. that you want us to get past where he already got. And at the point that he got, he looked terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can you can hope for improvement and, and say that hopefully better things are on the rise. But Well, when they lost for, to the Chargers, it was the only team that had seen him twice. So right. they had a, you know, they, they had a book on him. Hey, this guy can't throw. He's just going to run. Right. That doesn't we we've seen that that doesn't work Mm-mm. for very long. No, it no. might get you a couple wins. It it was very Tebow like. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. You know, Kyler Murray has decided that he is not going to play baseball and he is going to follow his future path to NFL stardom as a quarterback. And people have come on both sides. It really doesn't matter to me. Um. If that's what the kid wanted to do and that's what he has more fun doing and that's where he thinks he can make a better living and have more success, who am I to tell him different? Well, I think it makes a little bit of sense, uh, especially from a financial standpoint. I mean, yeah, he's got to, you know, he's probably got to give some money back uh, to yeah, Oakland. But one point something. I mean, you're talking the thing with baseball. I mean, you can be the highest traffic in the world. That doesn't mean nothing. Right. You know, yeah, he gets his signing bonus and his slotted money for what pick he is, but he could be in the minor leagues for eight years. That's right. You don't know. Playing triple A, going to it's been a hell of a lot better, hell of a lot better, and hell of a lot higher drafted guys than him that yes. you never hear of again after the draft. Yep. So I I get it, and you know, football, frankly, is a more popular sport, and his draft <laughs> stock right now is very very high. Yeah, and people like him. So I I thought that was I thought that was interesting. Um, and it, and there was it was kind of one of those things that after the football season and after the the, the playoffs, you're like, I'm not so sure that baseball would be the better choice. And mm-hmm. I don't know how good a baseball player he is, right? Um, or, or what he projects to be, and how long, like you said, he would spend at the minors before getting to the pros. But if you're an immediate first round draft pick, you're doing something right in that sport. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, Kyler Murray going to the NFL. Um, I haven't followed the Antonio Brown thing very much except with the Twitter thing and bad mouthing Roethlisberger and telling him he's act like an owner and all I don't I don't deal with this well, sort of stuff very well. It's very odd. Um Dan Patrick had a writer from Pittsburgh on his show this morning talking about it and um it sounds like there's gonna be some more stuff that this guy that this writer, you know, may end up writing about or whatever that may come to the forefront. But, you know, Antonio Brown this like they've covered for him a lot in Pittsburgh with some of his uh, shenanigans, shenanigans that, he, that he's pulled, um, you know, basically no showing the last game. <laughs> yeah. Um, he uh, he missed. A, uh, I think he missed a preseason game unexcused this year. 
Um, he had the thing in the locker room where he was Facebook living. Yeah. You know, he's gone on record and called out his quarterback and his coach. Um, it, it, it's it's funny too because like it was a pretty cool story with him. You know, kind of come from out of nowhere. Nobody really heard of him, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden he's catching a hundred balls, and he's uh, the number one fantasy guy, and he's fun to watch, and, and this and that. But then it's like. I remember when I heard that he was going to be on Dancing with the Stars, and I thought, "Uh-oh, diva." Mm-hmm. Well, wants to be a is more interested in being a, a a personality and a celebrity. It's it's kind of like Odell, where it's like these guys are more concerned about you knowing them with their helmet off than with their helmet on, and it's it, football's just one of those games that you just can't put yourself above the team. I don't know if it's because there's 53 guys or, or or what, but in that okay. culture, you just can't you can't really separate yourself, especially if you're not the quarterback. I just it just doesn't seem to work. I found it odd that now he's the second franchise-ish player on that team mm-hmm. to pull this stuff. Mm-hmm. Whether it's diva act, whether it's I'm worth more, or I'm too valuable. I mean, though, you know, Bell and Antonio Brown at this almost this, you know, within a year of each other, just saying, I'm done with this. Like, is that a problem with the ownership? Is it a problem with the coach? Is it a GM or do you just you just somehow coincidentally have two guys that have ultra mega personalities that think they are above everything and just landed on the same team? Or is it a problem with the quarterback? Well, I think it could be a little bit of all of them. I think that the Steelers have been willing to take on some questionable characters over the years. Um, but they've had a lot of crap go on that, like, you know, people like people want to blame Tomlin. Okay, well, you can't blame Tomlin for Antonio Brown being an idiot. You can't blame Tomlin's not negotiating Le'Veon Bell's contract. Tomlin was, you know, you had Martavis Bryan or whatever mm-hmm. who couldn't hardly stay on the field because he wanted to smoke weed all the time. <laughs> it's not Tomlin's fault that Ryan Shazier suffers one of the worst injuries you'll ever see and is goes from being one of the five best linebackers in football to out of the game. Um, so I don't know. I, it's It's been a lot of they've had some bad luck. They've probably made some poor decisions. They've taken on some questionable characters. Um, you know, Roethlisberger's not innocent, you know, I, I mean, the guy's a hall of fame quarterback, but he's never been shy about calling somebody out in the press. No, he's got his own skeletons in the closet from him being a douchebag. Yeah, that's right. So I, I think that it's just, you know, y- you see it sometimes in sports where you, you put all these combustible dudes together and they're all alpha dogs and they're they all got huge egos and they all want to be the star, but you know. That's Roethlisberger's team, for better or for worse. He's been there the longest. He's won the most Super Bowls of of the current guys. Mm -hmm. Um, He's playing the premier position. And I think that those other two guys, they want to be the star. Um, Understandable, but maybe you're in the wrong sport. So I guess from a local perspective, I saw a lot of the stuff from the from the Wisconsin media because now it's okay. This guy wants out. He met to request a trade, all that stuff. Packers have two first round picks. Do you leverage that saints pick and say, here's a first rounder first round pick for a guy who wants out of your organization. 
And I've always been the guy, and, and you just kind of alluded to it, that your comfort level as far as some guys with baggage, whether it be from domestically or however you want to put it, if you're comfortable with that, to me, I don't like guys on that team to that extent. You can get guys with so-called you know, bad attitudes and stuff like that, but always honor their contracts and show up and always play hard and do that stuff. Um, and I think that's why... Woodson just needed a different environment when he came here because mm-hmm. he had a bad label mm-hmm. coming from yeah, Oakland. Sometimes it's situation based. Right. Yeah. But for some of these guys, and I think Brown might fit into that category of some of the players that you already talked about, I'm not sure it matters where he goes. Right. That I think that will that will always perpetuate itself and that's just what's gonna happen it's kinda, it's in any like, environment. It's like Randy Moss. Great player. Everybody Terrell wants him, Owens. but he's gonna bring some shit with yes. him. And so I you know I was amazed at the amount of Packer fans that were fine with saying yes to that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you're not amazed because Packer well, fans, I, by and large, are, well, are dopes. No, but yes, I will not argue that point. But I'm not surprised. I mean, the guy's still only 31 years old. He was. It's not like he was bad last year as a player. Uh, the, pa- the Packers could use a playmaker, and they didn't make the playoffs last year. So I get it. Look at what's been happening that we've been talked about with all the PR stuff. And all the coaching changes, and now you want to bring a guy like that yeah, into but the locker most, when you're I, trying to start to build things back up? I don't think fans are thinking of it that way. They're thinking about on the field. I understand that. Yeah, That's if he shows up, mm-hmm. and he tries hard, and he doesn't bitch about the quarterback. I take all that stuff into account. I'm, sure. not, I'm not just looking at your Tecmo Super Bowl rating mm-hmm. and saying, I want that guy on my team. I That is a whole other aspect of crazy that I don't want in the locker room of the team that I cheer for. No, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, the one thing I heard today also in that interview was if if they do trade him, um, he's going to, whoever whoever he goes to, he's going to immediately want to restructure his contract. So that's going to be a sticking point for whoever gets him because, like, I'm not going to just come in here and be a good soldier. Right. You know, I'm 31. I want one more deal. I mm-hmm. want one more good money deal. Um, So... Right. You know, a team like Green Bay, I you're gonna pay a 31 year old wide receiver 15, 18 million a year. Well, they don't have uh, the cap space. I to mean, that doesn't seem to make sense. Because I thought about it even for the Bears. I'm like, shit, I'd it'd be nice to have him on the Bears, but I'm like, eh, that's a lot of money you're gonna have to pay that dude. Right. I, I, I don't know at this point in his career that all the stuff that and, comes with and, him. And you know, it. it I think I heard today most yards and catches in the last six years that in the league. That sounds right. But Roethlisberger, that was his guy. They ran the offense. It was, you know, he was catching all them little short passes and run. It depends where you go for sure. You know, got to fit I mean, in. Yeah. Could it, would he be better in Cobb's position than Cobb? Sure. Oh well, yeah. But you know, do you want to deal with all that comes with that, I, including the money? I don't, because sooner or later you're going to have to replace him and just say. Well, that was interesting. Yeah. And you, you didn't just say good, didn't say bad, just interesting. Right. Speaking of the Packers. Well, they, I, I just heard something today about their coaching staff. They, the one thing I heard today that was really weird, their strength and conditioning coach, who's been there for like 15 years, got demoted to the junior strength and conditioning coach. They have a junior. And the guy that was the junior Strength and conditioning coach got promoted to the head strength and conditioning coach. So they just flip flop. Yeah. Like, what? Like, how does the guy that got demoted want to stay? Why would you even want to stay there? No. That's weird. Not after that. 
Unless you're just you're just interested in cashing a check. Yeah. No, the, the uh, I I guess the co- the full coaching staff and and Lafleur and everybody met with the media for the first time today, and I'm sure I'll have some some audio bites tomorrow. To I, I don't know if anything you're going to see a lot of articles on different angles and quotes to support them and stuff that they want to do and things that they're interested in and. And that's fine. You got your coaching staff. You want to give the introductions. Well, so, so they got everybody now? Pretty much. Okay. Yep. I think All that's right. it. I think everybody's full. So, And they hired the nephew of Dick Butkus. Yeah. And I, I saw they, they asked him, what's Uncle Dick think of, of you working for you know your arch rival from way back in the day? And uh, but probably says congratulations on getting a job in the NFL. Did. He said, happy for you. Happy yeah. for your family. It's a great organization. Good job. Yeah. He he didn't uh, you know Lombard- old- Lombardi's kids working for the Saints yeah I think I mean who cares I think a lot of those old guys and those old family members they just think working and being a part of the league of course is the most important part rather than worry about rivalries for sure you know they're not they're not holding any grudges anymore or anything like that so right. how much did Colin Kaepernick get uh it's it's they did, all they signed a non disclosure so no one knows I heard eighty million yeah, was that just him close. and Reed or it's not even close to that it's not even close. And he wanted to twenty to play in the AAF. Yeah, um, I heard uh, as low as five million. Mm. Yeah, well, and it's an interesting thing because I I was normally I don't care about anything that this guy does because yep. he's an idiot. Um, but this just kind of piqued my interest. <sighs> you know, the NFL is not in the business of of taking their lumps and and going away quietly. So the settlement part was a little strange. And then, you you know, if you look at it from Kaepernick's perspective, the people that are, you know, follow him and believe in his cause would probably look at it as a win. Proof positive. But, you know, uh, I heard Patrick talking about it. Um, the sources that he had said basically that there was almost a 0% chance that Kaepernick could win a collusion case okay. because you can't prove it unless right. there's an actual document. Somebody sent an email that said, everybody don't hire this guy. You really can't prove it. So, but at the same time, the NFL did not want their owners. Well, their owners didn't want, and the NFL didn't want their owners getting dragged into court, getting deposed. Uh, that's just a bad look for everybody. So here's a couple million bucks. Go away. Um, you know, and, and the interesting thing and crazy as it is, I heard Stephen A. Smith actually make a good point today when he was <laughs> screaming about it. He said, you know, the thing with the non-disclosure that is, is bad, is bad public perception is like, well, not only how much money did you win? Because like, what well, was it, was it about playing or was it about the money? For Kaepernick, like, right? What is it, you know? And, and is there language in this dot in this settlement that's basically like, what say like well, you can come back in the league, but if you do, you're standing for the anthem. You're, th- this kneeling shit is over, you know. We mm-hmm. don't know any of that because they, you know, it's an en- a non disclosure. So we'll, we may never know. Um, I I personally think that it was more of the NFL saying, what's it going to take for you to go away? And and do your do your uh, community work or whatever it is that you're doing. You obviously don't want to play football. Um, I heard today he does want to play His football, but he wants he to be a starter. Well, <clears throat> yeah. nobody's going to bring you in to be a starter. No, 
It's it's not going to happen. Sounds like football is over. Yeah, you're not going to bring him in as a backup because he's then he is a he is a distraction. I bet he could probably start for an AAF team because they because right now they're hurting for. I mean, yeah. You look at some of the quarterbacks. You're who? Yeah, it's just a matter. Do you want to stand behind one of them lines and maybe get smoked a lot? But who for two hundred fifty thousand dollars or whatever they're paying you, right? Yeah. All right, some nice NFL notes to kick things off. Uh, we move on to the Bucks, who are still first in the East at the All Star break. Um, pretty good record. We'll get to the All-Star uh, game in uh, just a second with uh, Giannis and Middleton and Coach Bud, who I really didn't see much of because the coaches, they don't... They don't do anything. They just sub. Right? Yeah. That's that's pretty much what yeah. it is. But um, a lot of happenings at the uh, at the trade deadline as well. And the biggest for the for the team of interest here is getting Nico Miritich. Yeah. Who... Going to be ready after the All-Star break? Yeah. Half strain, he's missed. He missed, missed. he missed like five or six games before the Bucks got him, and then and I think smartly everything. they sat said, him. Forget it. Give him we'll... a couple weeks, including the All-Star break, to heal up. Okay. Because they need it. You know, they got him for the stretch run in the playoffs. Right. And, but... and he's and he's an unrestricted guy after the season, so yep. this is yep. this is essentially a rental. Mm-hmm. It sounds like they got him pr- on a pretty good deal. For all the second-round yeah. picks and some yeah. of the protected, It was and- a couple second-round picks that were, like, in the 50. There's yeah. only 60 picks in an NBA draft, so there was one that was top 55 protected, which basically, which pretty much means that um, New Orleans will never even see the pick. Right. And, uh, you know, there was a there was one they got from somebody else, and then there were the two of their own, which, if the Bucks are good, are going to be in the 50s, so... That was fine, and then Thon was the player, right? So, and he yeah, wanted out. Pistons in the, you know, the and yeah. and frankly, you know, I mean, merited for Thon. I'd do that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. That's not even a question. But and then they really liked the deal so much that New Orleans did. They fired their GM. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I'll I'll get to that. All right. Pretty, I just thought it was funny stupid. with all the Anthony Davis yeah. stuff, and then the Miritich, and then oh, yeah. hey, you're doing a great job. Pack your bags. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Go ahead but and the, some of the, the others. The Miritich thing is interesting because uh, if you just look at matchup wise, who the Bucks are are looking at in the East, you know, you've got uh, Toronto, Boston, and Philadelphia, and Indiana. Indiana's good, but they're not in the top four of a of a threat. So, you know, if you look at matchup wise, you get Miritich in there. It allows you to play really big. You can play. Uh, you could play him, Lopez, and Giannis possibly together up front. Slide Middleton down to a to the two guard and play with either Brogdon or Bledsoe or Hill. Um, if you wanted to play a little smaller, you could slide Giannis to the five, play Miritich to the four with an Urson. Uh, so there's a lot of different combinations. Last year when they played the Celtics in the playoffs, what ended up killing them was Al Horford. He cut the the Boston would play him at the top of the key, and he would suck Henson and Thon away from the basket, and uh, they he was better than them, and he could put the ball on the floor a little bit and do some stuff. Um, a guy like Miritich kind of takes that away; it shifts the the matchups a little bit more in the Bucks' favor. He's a big time three point shooter, which is another shooter around Giannis, which is kind of the mo of this team. So. Um, He's a good player, you know. He played a lot of years in in Chicago on some good teams with Rose and and Noah and Butler. He's been in the playoffs before. He played really well in the playoffs last year for the Pelicans. So, um, should be a good get for okay for the Bucks. Run down a couple of the others that happened before yeah. the deadline. Um, Mark Gasol from Memphis to Toronto. That that was a big one. Um, the Pacers uh, got Wes Matthews on a buyout after he got uh, traded to New York. They bought him out, and the Pacers picked him up. 
Uh, the 76ers trade for Tobias Harris. Former Buck. Former Buck. They, they drafted in him. In a pretty big trade. Gave up a lot to get him. Uh, probably have the best starting five in the East now, but, you know, they've only got about 25 games to mesh, and they really have no bench. So that'll be uh, kind of something to watch. But I guess the biggest thing about the trade deadline was Anthony Davis not getting traded. And then not getting sat. Right. Um, the NBA basically told the Pelicans they had to play him. Uh, but just a, a little backstory on the Anthony Davis thing that's very interesting. And it, it it's both interesting and a little bit concerning, uh, not only for the NBA, but kind of for all sports. Um, you know, Davis and his agent, they kind of, they kind of muck this whole thing up by going public with it. Seems like it. And what, I think I touched on it a little bit yeah, in did. the last podcast, yep, a but weeks ago. the Benson family who owns the yeah, Saints, Saints also took on the Pelicans mm-hmm. because the Pelicans really didn't have an ownership and David Stern begged Tom Benson to buy it. He dies. His wife is more or less a gold digger. They kind of push the, all the children and grandchildren out of the will. She ends up with the Pelicans and Mickey Loomis, who runs the Saints is kind of running the Pelicans. Well, it's kind of a funny thing when you think about it. So Mickey Loomis, a football guy, player has no power. Team runs the show. In the NBA, it's the complete opposite. Player has all the power. So Anthony Davis requests a trade, and it was almost kind of like Mickey Loomis and Gail Benson were like, well, why do we have to trade him? He has a year and a half left, year and a half left on his deal. Why would we trade? Why? I don't understand. Like, you don't, like, that just doesn't happen in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like, if a guy requests a trade, go kick rocks. Get out of here. Go go to practice. We, we, we do what we want with you. We might cut you tomorrow. Piss off. <laughs> in the NBA, you can't do that, you know, but they're they're not well-versed in that. No, they're, they're, they're not conditioned to that type of behavior. No. And then the GM who, who was fired the other day yep. because uh, Anthony Davis ended up leaving the arena in the third quarter when he had a quote-unquote shoulder injury of the last game before the All-Star break, he left with Rich Paul, his agent, in the middle of the game, which basically was the nail in the coffin for Dell Demps, the GM. Um, and he's kind of had a checkered history. Uh, he screwed up the Chris Paul trade years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, basically the reason why Davis wants out is because they've done such a bad job of getting him help. You know, Last year at the All-Star break, they trade Buddy Heald who is one of their young uh, up-and-coming guys. They traded him for DeMarcus Cousins. Pretty good idea. Pair him and Davis together, best front court in the league. Well, he tears his Achilles. And he's an unrestricted free agent this past summer, and they let him walk. They didn't want to pay him. And he got mad and went and signed with the Warriors. Um, They also let Rondo leave, who was very good. Is still a very good player and has been very good for the Lakers this year. So Davis sees all that. He gets mad. The team's not very good this year. Um, they're kind of in that they're kind of in that mediocrity that the Bucks were in for years, where it's like, yeah, we could make the eight seed, but we, but if we don't, we're like the last team in the lottery, so it doesn't really, you know, we're not going to get a great player, but we'd also kind of like to make the playoffs, but we're not going to win. <laughs> so it's I don't know, it's it it just led me to a question though, like why is no one happy? Like Why is, is no one happy? I don't know. Is, is this like a, is this a generational thing? Is is this seems just to be more the way of a sports? It seems to be more of a pattern forming. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Is it? Is it a? 
Is it because of all these talking head shows that we have now where it's like the only thing and the only guy that matters is the guy on the last day who's holding that trophy? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of rendered everything else irrelevant. Absolutely. Like you can't just marvel at the greatness of a player anymore because it all, well, yeah, but what does he want? But is every, right. Is everybody concerned about their own legacy? Yeah. Their own image, building up their own, you know, brand. Well, and Davis even said that he he was thinking about his legacy. It's like, dude, you're 25. Got a few years left. You know, I mean, (laughs) I understand that my career could end at any moment thought but i mean let's be realistic that's probably not gonna happen you're probably gonna play for another 10 years is everybody just so focused on being on a winning team all the time i mean everybody hates that way everybody hates losing don't get me wrong nobody likes to lose but there also seems to be a little bit lack of realism and you know little reality check here that you know, not everybody is going to flourish and you can't make all these moves in one year and vault yourself to the top of the league. Just doesn't work like that. Right. So you're going to have to, you know, wait it out a little bit. But no, either everybody's impatient, they don't want to waste their years, or, I mean, in his case, I, I mean, I can see what he's talking about with not getting help. Yeah, for sure. It's letting all these guys walk and mm-hmm. in return, what what are you doing for me? Right. You know, it, I mean, if I'm the guy and you want to, and you want to build a championship team... When are you going to start? Because right. right right now, your actions over the last couple of years aren't telling me you're really serious about that. Well, and, is, this, is this team just a toy? And the thing, too, is like, uh, you know, a guy like that has to understand the market in which he plays. You know, you're in a small market in New Orleans, so when you chose to take the big extension, it's kind of like the Rodgers thing. You know, it's like, well, you're going to take all this money, but you want us to Go get all these guys. How it's it's still math, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, these guys now are conditioned to take their to take the money in the contract now, and worry about all the other stuff later. You can always demand out. Is kind of it seems like what these guys are being told by their agents, and and I that's concerning to me because I think that's a really bad way for a league to function, mm-hmm. and it makes it really really difficult for organizations to to be able to build a team for anything longer than like a two-year period. Um, and since the summer of 2016, Anthony Davis now is the fourth guy of probably the top 20, 25 players in the league to demand out. You had Chris Paul demand out, forced a trade to Houston, and Houston uh, had to give up a bunch of assets to do so. And he was old and he's hurt all the time and now you're seeing it this year and that's why James Harden's averaging 36 points a game because he's playing by himself. And that's why his team's going to get knocked out in the first round. Um, You had Kawhi Leonard last year with the Spurs. Spurs. You know, forced them. I mean, they got a pretty good return. I was going to say, that that actually wasn't... But they didn't get equal to return. Too bad. You know. Um, You had Kyrie last year with Cleveland. They Cleveland made a terrible deal for him. And it and it's going to cripple that franchise for several years going forward. And the same thing with Davis. Like, you know, they could have taken that deal with the Lakers, given all those young guys. But, like, Lonzo Ball don't want to play in New Orleans. He already came out and said it. Um, and the other guys that you're getting, like, yeah, they can, they're all right. But I don't think any of them are potential multiple-time all-star players. So what are you doing if you're the Pelicans? Like, do I want to take these guys on and then in two years have to pay them a bunch of money? Or should I just... Wait it out, 
let Davis walk away and have a bunch of money and rebuild and then hope that I can draft another Anthony Davis and hope that in the seven years that I have him, I do a better job building a team. I mean, that's pretty much your option. So, all right. It's a, it's a weird thing, man. It's, it's LeBron's league. You keep going. You're on a roll. It's LeBron's league. And, uh, I just kind of wonder like, you know, is, is it still about the teams? Is it still about being on a team? Anymore? I don't think for so. some of these guys, Na- it, name on the back instead of the name on the front. Well, it, the, everybody's so worried about their brand and what they're selling, and and you know all that crap, and it, it just seems like the the spirit of it is kind of getting lost, and it's a little bit the NBA's fault because they're a league that markets their stars. And their stars drive the ratings and the money and the merchandising and all that. And and in truth be told, if there was no cap and no restrictions, the Lakers should probably pay LeBron James $100 million a year. You probably should make a million bucks a game, truthfully, if you wanted to be, you know, in terms of all that he brings. But I don't know. There's still, a, you know, there's still four other guys out on the floor with right. you, and there's still 12 other guys on the, on the team. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know where it's going. What do you got on Magic Johnson doing a little bit of tampering? Yeah, he keeps getting in trouble. I feel bad for him. I really do. Um, Because he's Magic. And Magic's this smiling, gregarious dude that wants to talk to people and loves basketball and just loves to talk about it. And Sometimes um, just doesn't say the right thing. Well, he he can't be Magic anymore. He's got to be Irvin. He's an executive. And it sucks and we kind of saw it a little bit this week at the All-Star game when Michael Jordan had like a half hour sit down and took some questions and it was kind of it was fun cuz you don't get to see Michael Jordan in those settings because he owns the Hornets and he and Larry Bird he's not the general manager anymore but he's a consultant for the Pacers and it's like you got 3 of the greatest 3 of the 8 greatest players of all time that are currently working in the league but they can't talk about anything, and it sucks because I'd kind of like to know what Michael Jordan thinks about Giannis. Right. I want to know what Larry Bird thinks about Kevin Durant. Can't talk about a, they, other teams' players. They can't do it because they'll get fined. And you know, I get it. It makes total sense because if they're talking about your player and they steal your guy, you're going to be irate. But yep. at the same time, as just a basketball fan, like I want to hear what these guys have to say. Mm-hmm. And basketball is one of those sports like you don't hear it. You hear it a little bit in football with like quarterbacks talking about quarterbacks. Like Montana will talk about right. Rodgers yes. or something, but yep. no, really not much for other positions. But for basketball, like that's one of the cool things is like the comparing of guys and eras and and because the league's not as old, most of the old legends are still around. And they watch and, and they watch and they're interested and they go to games. Bill Russell's tweeting yes. during uh Thursday night on TNT, he's watching the the Blazers Pelicans game. Like that's awesome. But it just kind of sucks that the three guys, the three best guys in our era, in our life, they they can't talk. Kind of sucks. All right. So after the all-star break, I mean, do things get going Thursday or they they go right away on Wednesday? Okay. I believe well, the bucks play Thursday. Thursday, Yeah. It might start Wednesday. I'm not sure, but conference races. Yeah. It's getting, uh, I think I think Ted Davis said today twenty five games left for the Bucks. Okay. Um, so yeah, you got the top five in the East, like I said, Bucks, Boston, Philly, 
uh, Toronto and the Pacers. Um, they're all kind of jockeying for position. Uh, I think if the Bucks, I think if they win like I think if they went like eighteen and seven, I think they could get the number one seed. Okay, something like that. The doable. I think so. All right. You know they got a tough West Coast trip. Yep. They, they got a what West Coast trip coming up in about two. I think a week and a half or two weeks. They play in LA a week from this coming Friday. Yeah. I don't know whether that's the starter right in the middle. Yeah. So that that'll be tough. I think it's a five gamer. You know, you'd like to win three, but we'll see. Okay. Um, and then the West is, is you know, the top eight is really in flux. I mean, there's not much separation there, and even a couple teams that are on the outside looking in, like the Lakers, are only a game or two out. So should be a fun uh, last two months of the NBA season and and heading into the playoffs. But uh, did, did you get a chance to see that Giannis doc that I, was on I, I the I did not. Is it, is it on demand somewhere where I can probably I think it's find? on YouTube. Okay, I think all you right. can YouTube okay. it. Okay, yeah, I, I, I would like to see that. It's only a half hour. Well, not even on YouTube. It's like 22 minutes, right. but really cool. Uh, some interesting stuff I didn't know. I'll, I'll, I'll let you watch it. Won't okay. spoil it for you. But anybody that didn't get a chance to see that, they, it's called Finding Giannis. It was a half-hour thing on TNT before... Uh, all-Star Saturday night, just kind of about, you know, literally how they found him and how the Bucks found him and stuff like that. So I urge anybody that is interested to check it out. All right. College Hoops, Marquette, second of the Big East. They had a big win over uh, Villanova. They're ranked 11th. They have only two losses in the Big East. Somehow dropped a rank and didn't play this week. I I, don't understand that. I don't get those points. Um, I think they, what, play, I think it's a week and a half between games or something like that. And... Their only two losses are to St. John's. Yeah. They apparently can't figure out. But tough game for the Housers in that uh, in that Villanova game, but they still are able to pull it out. Well, Marcus Howard went nuts well, ballistic, again. That's and, right. You know, that's, that's okay. That's okay, but they got to get a little more out of those guys. It kind of oh, seems yeah, like sure. Joey's hit the wall a little bit. I mean, he didn't – I got it. I think it's been like two years since he even played a full high school season because he kept getting hurt. Right. He got hurt. He had that foot thing yes. in football, and then yep. he ended up only playing half the year last year. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a little tired. But they're um, really good against the top twenty-five, which probably is good for the. I mean, when mm-hmm. you're kind of gauging things for the tournament. Yep. Um, and they got a they got some games coming up. I mean, they they snapped a long winning streak at uh, at Butler mm-hmm. the last time they played. They get them at home uh, coming up here in a few days, and then they're on the road at Providence this weekend. So, but St. John's, yeah, that's weird. It, 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 like they beat Marquette twice, and they were down like twenty yesterday to Villanova, and they came back and won. So they beat. So Marquette and Villanova have four conference losses between them, and three of them are to St. John's. <laughs> it's just weird. And and St. John's is a pretty good team. Like they're nineteen and seven. They'll probably make the tournament. They're only seven and six in the league. But they got run by Duke. Yeah, they got beat by thirty. So I I don't know like they're a really bad matchup for Marquette clearly because they're super long and yep. athletic and that that's the kind of defenders that bother Marcus Howard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know it's just one of those weird things in in a conference. You know you've seen it. I remember the Badgers a couple years ago like they could they would go down to Nebraska and lose right. Yep. Like a couple years in a row every time they played Nebraska it's like how are you losing mm-hmm. to Nebraska. But it's it, you know it's just that one of those just things. Happens. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Badgers, they tip off here in a couple of minutes as we are uh, recording this on Monday night. Um, sitting fourth in the Big Ten, which is kind of where about the target has been for the last a uh, few years, save for last year. Uh, they're twenty second 
17 and 8, 9 and 5 in the conference. Um, beat Minnesota, lost to Michigan, lost to Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Um, both those losses were were okay. Illinois is one of those teams that uh, when when you look at their resume, you can't figure out either. Because they they average the most shots per game or something like that. Um and they've beaten a couple of a really well-known, but they beat Michigan State. Mm-hmm. They they clobbered Minnesota, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not saying Minnesota is very good, but it's it's just one of those things that Illinois just can't ever seem to get on track. They got a good a good freshman big guy whose name I can't even pronounce. Um, so I'm I would be a, even though it's at the Kohl Center, that doesn't seem like the stronghold that it once was. No, but uh, Illinois is really young. And hard for a, a very young team to go into the Kohl Center and win. The Badgers are just pretty, if nothing else, they're solid at home. And it seems like Northwestern peaked at the tournament. Yeah. When they finally made it, and then now they're on the way. They spent all this time going up, up, up to try and get to the tournament, and now they are on the gradual way back down. <laughs> if uh, if Chris Collins had any uh, job offers after that tournament run, he probably should have taken probably them. Probably should have yeah. taken them when, when he peaked. Tough but, to win uh, down there. Yeah, and I mean, we're seeing this the stuff that happened last year, even in the year before in in, um, in Bo's last few years. They, they have droughts. Long. Uh, massive droughts. Scoring droughts. Yeah. Um, and you, you still have the same thing where Ethan Happ can't shoot free throws. He's become a liability. He usually has half of their turnovers, if not more. And now it's the conundrum of whether you put him in and leave him in late in games because teams are fine following him because he can't yeah. make any free throws. Right. Well, and but yet he's he's your best, most reliable scorer. Yes. So how do you balance that? Well, I, I don't know. Uh, if I did, I'd have guards job. <laughs> The thing about the Badgers in those scoring droughts, though, and it's a problem that they've had for most of the time during the Bo Ryan guard era with a couple of exceptions, mm-hmm. but they never really have a guy that can get his own shot. So, you know, the shot clock's running down, you throw the ball to Trice, well, what's he going to do with it? He's going to shoot a contested, you know, 25-footer. Same thing with Davidson. Or they're going to go in the lane and throw up something. Or you give it to Hap, and he backs you down, backs you down, backs you down, backs you down, Hook and shot. then you follow him. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's tough to score late in these games when you don't, you know, if your if your offense isn't clicking and you're st- and you're kind of stuck in the mud, they just don't really have anybody to give the ball to. Like Marquette, when Marquette gets stagnant, you can always give the ball to Marcus Howard and go, "All right, kid, go get a bucket, go do something." Yep. You know, we need a bucket here. Go get one. You you could even give one to Sam Hauser and let him go. Badgers don't really have that. So I don't know what they do at the end of these games. I mean, I guess you just got to hope he makes them. I mean, there's really they, you can't take him out because he's your best passer. He's probably your, one of your two best ball handlers, and he's your best defensive player. So you can't really take him out of the game. But it's amazing that he can be that good of a player and just can't make free throws. And it's not like he's Shaq. Mm-hmm. You know, Shaq's 300 pounds, and he's got a <laughs> hand the size of a, of a car. It's like he's shooting a tennis ball. You know, Hap's only like 6'9". He's not that big. But I don't know. It's it's bizarre. You want to talk about your boy Brad Davison for a little well, bit? Because this is this has been, it started last year, and now it seems to have really ramped up this year because now you're starting to see a couple of things. I've heard, I've heard some, some comparisons, whether they're legit or not. 
There's always people that run to the defense because we're in Wisconsin. We have the, you know, the good old boys that cover the team that kind of back up some of this behavior and not want to call it what it's perceived to be. Um, but I, I mean, you're a Marquette fan, but you've also played the position. So you have a little bit, I mean, not to that level, but you have kind of a, a little bit of a perspective Well, on, on where this whole thing is. Mike, and I, I want to stress this. I'm not personally attacking the kid. Um, you know, I, there was an article in the journal Sentinel today that he's, he's had a rough couple of weeks. His grandma just passed away from a long illness and, and, you know, his family wasn't at a couple of these games and they're always at his games. I, I totally get that. That's why when you rip on college kids, I've, I've told people that I work with that, you know, say this, that, and the other. I'm like, dude, you don't know. You have no idea what a college kid on a, playing on a, a sports team is dealing with. You just, they're kids. But when it comes to the basketball part, um, he is getting a reputation. It's not a good one. Um, I, I saw it in their last game. He got, you know, they have this new hook and hold rule yep. that they're trying to do to prevent all these apparent shoulder and elbow injuries that I've never seen in a college game. I don't know. I don't know where the hell this rule came from. John Barry, it drives him up a wall. <laughs> but he 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 got called for it. I uh, I think like two games ago, mm-hmm. and then he got into something a little bit the other day, and it it was it was a complete. It should have been nothing, but because it was him. It's something now, and it's it's getting to the point where the refs are looking at him a little closer. The other team's coaches now, anytime he gets into anything, they want it looked at um, because there's reasonable doubt now because we've seen some stuff. He, I mean, he punched Joey Hauser in the balls. <laughs> he did. He stuck his foot under that Minnesota kid's foot, foot when he was in the air. I mean, down on if it. there's one thing you don't do on a basketball court, it's do something to a guy's legs when they're in the air. You don't take them out on a shot. You don't undercut. You don't step under their feet. You just don't do that. Um, there is a such thing as, and and I have I have a friend that works for UW who knows Davison very well, and she has gotten on me a little bit with some of my comments about him because she knows him personally and talks about what a great guy he is. He was in Janesville last week yep. uh, at at Craig for uh, the Isaac Strong yep. campaign for the young man who's got cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen him do a lot of charity stuff. I think all that is awesome. That doesn't mean that you can't be an asshole on the court. You know, um, I played with guys like that. I played against guys like that. Sometimes I was that guy. Um, I understand you got to do what you got to do, but you know you have to know where the line is. And he's crossed the line a few times, and and it's cost his team. And uh, you know he's he's kind of become the Grayson Allen. That's the uh, that's of the, of college basketball. That's the today. comparison that I heard, and that was pretty ugly because as a guy who doesn't watch much basketball, I saw the highlights, I saw the games, I saw the situations, and I was like, man, if I was playing against that guy, I wouldn't even care if I was thrown out of the game. I'd have punched him yeah. right in the face. Well, and he's got this, you know, he he is trying to be the junkyard dog of the team. You, you know, he's he's not going to be the scorer. He's not going to be the shooter. So for him to play and for him to stay on the floor, he's got to take on that. Josh Gasser did it. Krabinoff did it. Bru, Bruzowitz did it. The guy that takes the charge and, 
dives into the first row and all that the crap. Floorboards. A lot of the to, a lot of it's fake. There's it's fake hustle. I mean, you see it if you watch enough basketball, you see it all the time. There's just certain guys that like to do that stuff because it gets a rise out of people. Sometimes it's to irritate the opponent. Sometimes it's to get a back pat from the coach, whatever. Um, but it's certainly there. And uh, But know, it's clear it, that people that don't have your experience or, or, or know-how, and a lot of people that, that don't have it, a lot of them eat this stuff up like it's a good thing. Oh, Badger fans do. Um, Everybody else, I, you're I mean, you're you're probably public enemy number one. Yeah, when you go to different arenas. Oh yeah, no question. Um, so what are you doing for your team by doing all that? Maybe you're maybe you feel like you're taking the heat off of somebody else. Maybe they're not getting on hap for not being able to make a free throw if they're if they're screaming at you because you just took out some dude's ankle. Um, I I don't know. Because that that doesn't seem like it would benefit really anybody. Well, by by doing, I think all this it would stuff. be one of those things where you're not really worrying about that. You're just worrying about how it affects within the confines of the team and the game. Um, but you, now, you if you're know, drawing attention to yourself in a negative way from officials and coaches, well, again, and, and, but to, who's that benefiting? Well, probably nobody. And that's where I look at guard and, and the coaching staff. And I know that they have actually talked to him this year about toning it down a little bit. Um, I mean, Western Kentucky hates him because of what he did last year. He 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 did the foot thing with mm-hmm. a guy, and and basically it was like at the end of the game, and they ended up Badgers end up winning the game. Uh, Marquette fans hate him. Um, Minnesota fans hate him. I'm sure Iowa fan. I mean, like I understand when you go, you know, if you if you're in the Big Ten, it's the other team's not going to like yeah. you. That's fine, but like, w- and I tried to explain this to my friend that works for the Badgers. I said, you know. Other players don't respect that. Teammates? I, n- teammates might, because, like I said, in the confines of your own team, it, it certain things can help you win. He took four charges in that NC State game and helped them win the game. But other players on other teams and other coaches don't respect that kind of stuff. Um, it's cheap. It's dirty. It's It should be beneath you. It should be beneath the program. Um, the Badgers have got too good a reputation over the years to to allow something like that to go on. I mean, as much as, much as I'm not a fan of them, they are very well thought of throughout the country. Uh, maybe not by a lot of fan bases in terms of an entertaining team to watch, but I think people respect the way they go about their business. And that's a, that's a black eye on them right now. And he's going to be there two more years. We'll see what happens. All right. Um, but it's uh, it's not good for anybody including him. Okay. So didn't watch any of uh college basketball the last week or so, but uh Yeah, it's kind of an old one. It's from last week. Okay. The the Duke comeback on Louisville. Louisville. That was that was pretty impressive. We moved to spring training, first day of position players reporting, first uh full squad workout tomorrow, and the news of the day that broke on Sunday night is that Mustakis, as you had said, even at the end of last season when we were looking at that stuff, you said you would bet some money that he would be back, whether it was a chance, a one-year deal or whatever. And um, kind of on a, and we could get to this in a little bit, but this is, it's been a really slow mm-hmm. free agent period for mm-hmm. this off season. Yep. And you've got, you've got teams that are now, you know, well into 
preparing for their first games that start on Thursday without the two biggest free agents in baseball having a team. Yeah, it's a little weird, isn't it? It is. Uh, and it took a while for Moustakas, but, I mean, you know, we see it in football. At least that's uh, that's where I can draw from. Um, the James Joneses, you know, that's, that's one. Uh, there's a handful of players that think they are more valuable to another team for a better price than what they're being offered in the place they've just been at. And they find the market, and they're searching, and they're searching. Nothing happens, and finally the team that, has had him said, well, you're willing to come back here, but you're going to make less than what you think you're worth. You think that's what happened? I don't know. Or did they really go after him and say, we don't really have any solutions at one particular position. Can you go play second base? We'll pay you this much money since nobody's banging down your door. And maybe he said, it's a guaranteed job, and I'm probably going to beat all these other dudes out. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That seems just as likely. But otherwise, if he was such in high demand... Why would it wait until the day before position players report for him to get a job? Well, I think there's I think you're right on both accounts. I think there's a part of it that a lot of these guys have been waiting for Machado and Harper to sign so they can and some of these other guys to set the market. So the dominoes can fall. You know, because yep. it's like, well, I'm not gonna give Mustakis seventeen million dollars a year if maybe it like the cause he was rumored to be looking at by the Padres, right? That was one of the teams looking at Mustakas. I'm not going to pay Mustakas 15 or 17 a year if Machado's still hanging right. out there, and, and I can get him for 30 million a year for nine years. So all the market, all of a sudden, the market reset, it sets itself, right. and then you're looking at Mustakas like, who the hell paid exactly. that much? You, you money? don't want to be the first team to sign right. one of those guys, but it's also a one year deal, so it's not like he's locked in. It's like for, the Grandall thing, man. I right. think it's got a mutual option for yes, next year. Yep. Um, uh, Harder Court was tweeting today. It sounds like. Uh, Shaw is going to play third. third. They're going to try Moose at second. Yep. Which uh, okay, but I mean, who who do you have at second? Well, I, I was thinking about this today. Like I don't even think anymore it matters with all the shifting. Does it really matter? Sometimes you're playing second. Sometimes you're behind second. Sometimes you're in short right. The hell difference does it make? If you can field and you have some lateral lateral movement. You're pretty much going to be able to do it it's, as long as you turn a double play there you go. from where you're coming that's, from. That's what you have to be able to do. You got to be able to turn the double play. But I tell you what, man, I like the lineup for sure. You know, for sure. I mean, that's uh, it, it gives you a lot of flexibility. I mean, if you you know if you got Aguiar in the four and and he's scuffling, not doing what he did yep. last year, you can slide him down to seven and throw Moose at four or Grandall or whatever. Um, it's a it's I'm happy. I'm a very, I'm very happy that he's back. I mean, okay. I liked him. I thought he was a good player. He he's I mean, obviously he's very tight with Braun and Yelich. Um Ben is bench is not going to be as good this year with well, with some with the likes of Santana I, and I don't know. Okay. I mean, this Gamble, you know, Matt Gamble's brother mm-hmm. Ben, um I mean, I guess he comes high. I I don't really follow the American League much just cuz of time. Right. I guess he comes pretty highly regarded. Uh, this Spangenberg guy they got from the Padres, he can play a bunch of different positions. Still got still, Saladino in there, I still believe. Still got right? Saladino, still got Hernan Perez. Um, I, still got Thames. Yep. So, okay. I, you know, I, I think it'll be okay. I mean, you know, the Santana thing, he spent the whole year in AAA. Right. You know, same thing. You know, Broxton, Broxton came up a yeah. little bit. I, I think they'll miss him in the field. 
Because you're not going to play Lorenzo Cain. I mean, he's going to be 33. Well, you're also not going to play Braun. You're not yet yeah, right. A whole lot. You're not going to pay. So. Those guys aren't playing more than 140 games. Right. So you got to have somebody else in there. Um, but I think this Spangenberg guy can play some outfield. Perez can yeah, play a little outfield. They're going to put in the outfield. Good God. Well, it's going to happen. Every time a ball's hit to him at Miller Park, they should just, over the PA, play the Benny Hill music. <laughs> It'd be hilarious. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Um, uh, look at the bigger picture on the Central, and I know has now their win total been upped as far as predicted wins? I haven't seen. Okay. I saw the odds that came out to win the division, mm-hmm. but I didn't see wins okay. per se. All right. Um, but the Central has improved. Proved pretty much everybody. Everybody but the Cubs. Right? Yep. Yeah. And I guess if, if you count Darvish. I think what did Ricketts say? Why haven't you spent, spent anybody? So we don't have any. Yeah, where'd it go? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah, the Central's going to be good. The Cardinals got a big player. Um, I'm really, I don't, I like Goldschmidt as a player. When Not you, anymore. No. No, I don't. You put that you because put you that put that uniform on. Jersey, I don't you care kiss who you are. Ass. Yes, absolutely. Because before I was really impressed with him, and man, that guy can mash, and he's really good. Plays my favorite position. Now it's like f you, guy. I don't want you around here. Well, you and I both <laughs> despise Molina. Yes. Right. Oh yeah. Least favorite player in the league. And, 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 and it's not even close. It's not even because he's on the Cardinals. I just can't stand him. He and then the like fact a, that he's on the Cardinals yes. makes it a little worse. Like Goldschmidt's now in that Matt Carpenter role where it's like, he's, you're you're really good, yes. but I can't stand you because I know you're going to hurt my team yep, at some point. Exactly. But, if but you, I respect your game. Exactly. And if you're on my team, you would be one of my favorite Hell players. Yes. But now that you're on there, ugh. if we traded Aguiar for Goldschmidt tomorrow, I'd buy a Goldschmidt jersey. Are you kidding me? So let's do that. But <laughs> you know what? You yeah. put that fucking jersey on with the bat and the stupid cardinal sitting on it. Uh-uh. Oh man. Well, all right. Let's get into the whole Machado and Harper things. That I mean, it seems like San Diego. From what I read today, they have a deal on the table for Machado. They've already met with Harper um, once. I don't know if it was twice or not, mm-hmm. but. You've got a lot of these other guys. Chris Bryan has joined the fold. You got Verlander. All these Yelich even too. Oh, Yelich. Yeah. I, I haven't seen him yeah, make contest. He took a shot at his old boss in Florida on Twitter. Okay. Yep. That are that are whining about nobody getting signed and not offering up mega deals for all these players. But you and I talked about this on a lot of different times on road trips and whatnot. It's I mean, does it basically just come down to the fact that why would you lock yourself into this if your management, if in the age of paralysis by analysis, you look at all these statistical categories, you're like, I can get a little bit less of what this guy is going to do for me Mm -hmm. for a shitload less money right? and not be locked in for seven or eight or nine years of this stuff. Mm -hmm. To me, that's good business. I agree. So what? What 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 do they think that everybody else is missing? Well, I don't know because uh, you know you you kind of got to look at the teams like look at the Brewers, look at the Astros, uh, even Boston. I mean, Boston's always going to spend they money. Have a but, couple of mega deals, around. a couple, but like they got a lot of young guys on some nothing contracts. Um, you know, even like with Mustakis, uh, he's thirty one, I believe. Who would give him a four-year deal? 
Like, wh- why would I give you four years, 60 million? Why? What makes me think that at age 35, you're not only like as an in, if you're in the National League, you're going to still be able to play the field. And you're going to hit, I mean, what are you going to hit me? 15 homers? Like, that doesn't make any sense when I could take a 23-year-old guy and and get the same 15 homers and pay him 500 grand. Just doesn't make any sense. Um, I think these, we talked about, I think there's going to be strikes coming. And I think this is part of the reason why. I, I, was, listening, I was reading somebody, and I don't know if it was a baseball guy, maybe it was hard record, but it was somebody who said, that the owners are going to place the blame on the players and then the public will follow and the owners are just going to sit back and let this all play out. And then when the players stop, when when they, they get no money, they're going to come back to the table and they're just going to have to cut an owner-friendly contract. Mm-hmm. And that's going to suck. But to me, that lies on the fault of people not looking past what they just see on the peripheral. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and it's... um. You know, I like to th- think of myself most of the time as pro player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm all for getting paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why, you know, I know a lot of people that have been whining for the last four or five years about Braun's. I don't care what Braun makes. That's Atanasio's problem. That's not my problem. Um, the guy's rich. He can figure it out. But at the same time, it's like... When you are a pro player, those players leave, they retire, they get traded, they leave in free agency. My team stays. So really, as much as I want to be a pro player, I'm pro brewer. Yes, you want your team to succeed. So, And you're going to want them to do the smartest thing they can to succeed, Yes, which is not sign Albert Pujols when, when, for eight or nine years. When everybody was talking last year when they were in the Machado mix for that trade. Um. And Corbin Burns and Woodruff and all these young guys—they're yeah, right. all out on the table. I'm sitting there like, no, because Machado's not going to stay in Milwaukee. No, just like Granky didn't, just like Sabathia didn't, just like Prince didn't, just like Molitor didn't. These guys are not going to stay there. That's why I'll never get mad at Braun's contract because that dude's like, yeah, I want to be here. I want to stay. Um, so I don't know. It's I don't know what's going to happen going down the road. I think that you know. These players are going to have to look at it, I think, a little bit differently in in baseball. I think they're going to have to look at it more like the NBA. I think you got to look to take the shorter deal for more money. Um, I heard that the uh, the Yankees still are interested in Machado, and Machado is very much wants to play in New York. But the Yankees are only offering like five years, so they're like, "We'll pay you thirty a year, but we only want to pay you for five where these guys want to be locked in and they want that guaranteed money. And it's like, well, you know what, though? In five years, who knows what the market's going to be? Maybe you can make more than 30. It's a a risk. But the problem at the end of the day is people like to say, well, these players make too too much money, they're overpaid. Nah, but that's bullshit, I say. Everybody's making too much money. Players, the owners, the TV networks, there's just too much money. You got these guys that are making hundreds of millions of dollars on some of these teams, like the Yankees. They got their own network. Well, should that trickle down to the players? Yeah, probably, but to what end? You know? So, I don't know. I, 
We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yep. Games mean, start on Thursday for uh, Citrus and Cactus League, where they have uh, also a pitch clock. I think the Brewers play Saturday, maybe? I mean, is that, is that what it Cubs, is? the Cubs, I think. So, oh, yeah, I think that, so. yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And then the Rangers are on Sunday, and that's we're going to have that on the radio, which would be good. Oh, nice. Uh, we're into the high school playoff season for boys and girls basketball, and something that you and I have talked about that Maybe we see coming down the pike because it's now started in football. And football in high, at the high school level seems to be leading the charge and everybody might follow behind on a, on a couple of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just an agreement back in January uh, at the winter meeting that football teams, when it comes to the playoffs, are going to be automatically computer-seeded. Because the way it works right now is that the coaches for the entire bracket, sectional, whatever you want to call it, region, they all meet and they all give a little spiel about where their team is at, where they should be. They all vote and they come out with a bracket and then each team gets a chance to appeal a position up on why they should be in a different place than where they are. And they're going to take that out. They're not even going to have the coaches meet. They're going to enter all this data into a computer, and it's going to spit out a one through eight bracket of where the team should be. And that's going to start in the fall of this year. And I thought that was very fascinating because I didn't hear a whole lot of politicking going on from football, where it seems to be biggest is basketball and baseball from what I talk with coaches. And so when I heard about this for football, I thought it was interesting because you've generally got a lot of the big eight teams playing. You've got a Lake Geneva in there. You've got a random division one team kind of on the outskirts. It's it's pretty regionally set up that it's pretty predictable. And that's why there's probably not a lot of politics. Right. There's probably a lot of clear cut stuff. But in basketball, it's not that way because you've got so many more teams. Mm-hmm. Everybody makes the postseason. Right. So you've got more to figure out. You've got more conferences involved because you can pull D1 teams from three different, four different, five different conferences and have them in the same sectional. So there's a lot more to consider. And a lot of coaches during the season, they don't see or watch those games that are outside of their own conference. So you get into these things. And nobody kind of knows how good anybody is. But then what happens in the bracket is it comes out and you're, you look at it like, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. When what really happens is coaches get in there and they look at the particular path that would have the best road for success for their own team. And that's the way they play it. It's not an accurate representation of where the teams are, how they finish in the conference and how they'll stack up when you list them one through 18. That's not the way that works. It's, I think we're better than them, and here's why. Mm -hmm. And when reality, what they're saying is, I think we can beat them, and I think we got a good chance at the team that we might face right after that. Right. And I don't really think that's in the best interest or the spirit of the game. So I'm curious about when, if this works in football, and there's a lot of variables that they say they're going to decide on later, how good's the team? Is it just going to be wins and losses? How many... Um, how many playoff teams come up from a particular conference? What are the head-to-head matchups? What are the common opponents? You, you're going to have a computer program you need to fill all this data into, and it's going to spit this thing out. And if this seems to be good with the coaches for football, I would be more than accepting of this coming to basketball. 
to get a more accurate representation of what the slate looks like. Yeah, the the criteria of of how they go about, you know, with with the computer would be interesting to know because those are the details that I want. Well, because now, does it affect my schedule? Do I now schedule my non-conference right. with teams that are going to be somebody that I'm going to be competing with in the tournament so I want to be able to possibly have an edge over them? And that's what I've heard from the baseball coaches because a lot of the time if you see a couple of the teams in in town here, you will see them. They're in the sectional. You see, We saw it in basketball. Craig, Craig, Craig tried to do it with Oconomowoc. What happened? Oconomowoc left the sectional. Right. They're not in it anymore. So is it a victory? Yeah. But when you come time to to fill out the bracket, you can't point to that and say, we got a victory over them because you'd well, have playing you, over there. You, it doesn't matter. Ha- well, you have to hope that w- somebody else that's Common close opponent. to you yep. played them also during the season. So then that, that might matter. The other thing is like, and, and it, I think it's especially a question more for football than basketball. Like, um, do I now have to run the score up? That's well, that that was one of my immediate thoughts. Is that going to be one of the criteria? Margin of victory, right? Total points for total and, points. And if against. that's the case, are we still doing running clock? If if total margin of points or margin of victory matters, then I don't want to run and clock. I want to beat you instead of beating you forty nine to seven. I want to beat you seventy to seven. And not only that, then are you going to leave your first team in when it's forty nine to right. nothing at the end of the first half? Right. And then you expect to see maybe a series from the starters, and then everybody's done. Now you're going to see the starters into the fourth game, and they're going to be throwing 80-yard bombs mm-hmm. because they can. Right. Now I'm 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 just on its face. I'm pro computer. We talked about it the other night when when we were in high school. Um, I know baseball was this way, and I know basketball this was this way. I don't believe football was because you had to actually qualify for Correct. the playoffs. But for basketball, we knew who we were playing in the tournament and where we were playing and where the sectional final was, we knew that in the summer. See, that's fascinating to me because I, I never went that deep into it. Yeah, we, we knew that before the season even started that we were going to play Beloit in the first round or we were going to have a bye in the first round and then we are going to be home for Burlington and then we our, our sectional semi-game was going to be against if you one won. of these four yeah. teams in, in, uh, in Lake Geneva and the sectional finals in Racine. So you could see that all the way, and the path was laid out yeah. even before the first practice. Yep, you you already knew. You that. already knew that. I I would be curious to see and talk to maybe maybe we can talk to some of the coaches that back in that time. How did that get? Put I think together? it was random. I'm pretty sure it was just random. Just drawn balls yep. out of a hopper. I think so. I I'd something have to, like that. I'd have to ask Coach Suter and 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 Jack Hogue about that. They would know. I think it was pretty random. Um, usually the sectional final they like to hold that. And in a gym that's got the capacity, Size. that's yes. why Craig, Parker, Racine were usually Beloit. It's not going to be Lake Geneva and Burlington, just right. two smaller gyms. Um, but the, I believe the matchups were pretty random because there were a lot of years, a lot of years. Well, you you brought up the the, yeah, the, I mean, the biggest one the other night. There was, there's been a lot of years where Craig has played Parker in the first game. Um, my senior year, we played Beloit in the first game. Um, in the early '90s, when Lagerman, the Jacksons, and Berlowski were on Craig, and uh, Ty Evans and Michael Hodges and a couple other guys were on Beloit. Beloit was ranked like number two in the state. Had beat Craig twice in the regular season. Craig was ranked like number eight in the state. They played the first game of tournament, and Craig beat Beloit. So the number two team in the state done is done. 
when in it's the like first in the first round. round when it's like okay well they should have won the game well that game should have been the sectional so, final NCAA tournament you have Kansas against Kentucky in, exactly. in, in the first makes round no North sense. Carolina is playing Duke what makes no sense what's going on so I mean you that's one of the things that that I thought immediately and and you brought up is that Okay, so if it's margin of victory, because you watched in the era of the BCS when, before they tweaked that rule and they took out margin of victory, that's when you saw the Florida States. Well, didn't Bielema do that? Didn't they the, beat like Austin P like 77 to 3 or something they, they like that? They hung 80 on Indiana. Yeah. I but mean, I, and, and Wisconsin, I don't think at the time was thinking this is going to help in the BCS or computer rankings, but you had Florida State that's in the top five, top 10 that's jockeying for position. They're already looking forward to the end of the season. They want to put up that margin of victory number so that when it's it's laid out with all these teams, theirs is the most. And you're right. The Badgers definitely were not thinking about that. Bielema right. was just thinking about his next hoagie. That bastard. <sighs> I would be curious, and I don't know who I'm going to talk to about that um, as far as what criteria is going to be weighted, conferences. I don't, bl- yeah, because I don't blame the coaches for trying to, to steer it their way, but that's not really what it's supposed to be it's about. It's not at all. But everybody wants to advance and they want, they want victories. Yeah. And that's, but to me, that's as an impartial observer, of course, do I want the teams that we cover to win? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do I want it to be done fairly? Yes. And if you're trying to manipulate stuff going in there, yeah, right. Not not that big on that. Right. So I hear you. We'll see what happens. That's the intentional foul for this week. Apologize for the two-week lapse. Hopefully we'll be back uh, next week. Thank you for downloading. Again, subscribe wherever podcasts are found. And if you're uh get us up. If you're bored this week and want to hear some not not high comedy, but maybe semi comedy. Check us out. We got what three, four games this yep. week: Tuesday, Thursday, Friday for sure, and, and then maybe on maybe Saturday. Saturday so. so we're on Twitter at Podcast Foul. You can follow me at Josh Goldberg at Dan Saunders one hundred and four. All right. Thank you again for listening. We will talk to you next week. Go Bucks. <laughs>